Hey folks, I just wanted to put a public service announcement here in the front of this. There's two audio parts of this podcast. The first part's marked safe to listen, and the second part's marked spoilers. That's referring to J.D. Sterling's module Never Sleep Again. The first part of the show is totally spoiler-free. You can definitely safely listen to it. If there's any chance you're going to play in the adventure Never Sleep Again, don't listen to that second half, about the final 26 minutes of the podcast. There's nothing else in there except spoilers for that module. So if you're not going to run that module, then you know you probably don't want to listen to the second half of the podcast. But you, I, I make it very clear when we switch from spoiler-free from no, spoiler to spoilers. So definitely you can listen to the first half of the podcast. Just if you're going to play in that module at some point, then you'll want to turn it off before we switch to full spoilers. Pops up a beer or a cold libation. Let me tell you how I wrote this little thing. I went and took a call from Brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast, and I ask him, What you got? He said, I'll start up with some talking and some moody clips and popcorn fighting, fantasy explorations, and some groundness exploitation. Kickstarts that I'm watching, and some blind unboxing, full month horror movie marathon. Sometimes I'll let the dogs come on. Contest, and of course, you know it's all about games. I said, Slow down, let's just start with the name. It's the Nerds. With the other Jason. This has been a great week for gaming for me so far. I've been able to join a 5e campaign, the, the Witchlight campaign. I'm playing a half elven ranger and who's, you know, lost his, he's, he's lost something at the Witchlight Carnival, and he and the other adventurers are trying to get what they've lost back. They're on a mission. I, I don't want to ruin that campaign for anybody, but it's a great group that I'm playing with. They've been very accommodating, very nice. They're the, the same group that let me join in with Spelljammer with them for, a, for an adventure, for a session. And so we're going to go through, play through the Witchlight campaign. So I'm looking forward to that, or Venture Path, whatever Watsy calls those. So really looking forward to that. It's being done through Fantasy Grounds, uh, which, which is a little challenge for me on a laptop and whatnot, but it's not too bad. And um, the, like I say, the group's great, you know, great group of guys and having a lot of fun in that game. I was also able to play in some other games. Barry over the Shadow of the GM podcast runs a game on Wednesdays that happens well at 7 a.m. Eastern time for the U.S. But he has a, a group, of, you know, has some Europeans in the group and some folks over in in Japan, Australia from the sound of it. You know, he has a, a multinational group that plays in that game and it works for different time zones. And he was unable to run this week so I was able to come in and guest GM and I ran Barbarians of Lemuria for them. And we had a great time. They just used the pre-gens out of the book. And we just did a, a simple raid on a temple, kind of like if you think of Conan the Barbarian, the movie with Arnold, where they raid the temple set to get the, you know, you know, the, big, the big jewel. They're guarded by the snake. We did something similar to that. And I, everybody had a great time, I think. I had a great time running it. They came up with some great ideas. And, and Barbarians Lomori is a, a great system because it rewards creativity and rewards people you know, being inventive and, and thinking out of the box. So they did a great job getting into the temple. Yeah, minimal combat. They were able to to, to get in and get out. Um, unfortunately, the the yellow priests did, did, did were able to get a description of them afterwards. So, so if we ever revisit those characters in that game, then they, they are they do have an enemy now. They are being hunted. But we, we had a great game and really happy. And the great thing is it was less than two hours. It was maybe an hour and 45 minutes total playtime um, to do this raid on this temple with lots of planning. And, you know, they had to get into the grounds and get past the beast that was guarding and get inside and find the treasure and deal with guards inside and all this stuff. And the system is light enough and, and fast enough that it let us just go right through this. We, we just had theater of the mind rolling real dice and stuff. But it, it went really, you know, Barbarians Memorial really gets out of the way. So it, it's it's a really good system for, for just doing pickup games and things like that. So we had a lot of fun with that. What other games did I play this week? I got to join in 
the Friday Night AD&D. I got to rejoin that campaign. I'm picking up with a character I created. It's a elven magic user thief. And he is... Well, he was training. He was finishing training. He had to finish his training to move up to second level in Thief because AD&D, first edition, you know, have to train. And they train at nights. So he wasn't able to be there for most of the adventure because he was a training. And unfortunately, the majority of this happened at night. And this was his last day of training. But that's okay because I got to hang out and I got to, to kind of catch up on what's going on because I've been out of that campaign for many months. So it, it was good to rejoin that group, though. Really like that group of guys it's a group from the grog talk discard discord and um looking forward to doing that on fridays in the future every other friday is that game that friday night AD&D game and that's run by our good buddy mw from the world's mw lewis podcast so i'm happy i was able to to get into that and then the last game i was able to get into up to time recording was a game of Boot Hill run by Daniel or Bandit's Keep. So that was interesting. He's starting up a new series for his actual plays where they're, it's kind of like loosely based on the idea of the Lone Ranger. And, and so the, the characters are come together and have to go deal with a problem. So instead of just the Lone Ranger, there's like a society, the Silver Bullet Society, that is dealing with problems that the law can't handle or doesn't want to handle. And, and so we'll get sent off on these missions. And, and we got to handle that, and that was interesting. I, I don't want to go into a lot of detail there because he's going to have actual play up, and you can actually watch the actual play if that's of interest to you. The, um, but it was fine. Boot Hill got out of the way. It was an investigation game. So actually we, we didn't really end up having to roll anything until the end of the, end of the game where we, we had a very short combat, and we found out that, that rifles are pretty deadly in Boot Hill. And um, as one might expect, but yeah, it, it worked out really well. It was a lot of fun. Um, he has a great group of players, and, and I'm very happy to be able to to join them occasionally, and, and play with them. Always happy to play Boot Hill. In, in addition to that, the other thing that's happened this week, of course, is the Boot Hill play by post is finally creaking alive after many months of of dragon feet. So that's getting started, which is good. We're finally getting that going now that my schedule's got to the point where, you know, I'm off for a month convalescing. I have time to actually start the play-by-post and deal with it. So then once that gets going, I've, I've got some interesting things in store for that, that group. That party is starting off in a, they're in a wagon train on their way to this little mining town in, in Colorado. And there's also opportunities to, to do other things other than just mine. But we're, we're going to see how that pans out. That, that game is just, just starting now. And the, the other thing, hopefully, the AD&D play-by-post I was doing that Brian over the Have to Look That Up podcast kind of taken over. We're trying to get that back live and um, looking forward to that. And I've got a half-orc fighter in that game that um, hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll keep people posting in that game. That, it's a fun game. Um, you know, we have Barry, Shadow the GM, and Evil Jeff over at Minions Amusings, and, and some other people are in that game. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out, if everybody can come back and pick that game back up after a long hiatus. So that'll be an interesting experiment to see if we can get it back live. But uh, if so, my half-orc fighter, you know, he, he's got that uphill battle convincing people he's not a half-orc fighter assassin because, well, you know, why wouldn't you be that? <laughs> so, I, I mean, I would assume in AD&D and any half-orc I met was also a multi-class assassin, right? <laughs> so, but to try to convince people that's not the case. But, so I'm looking forward to that, looking forward to see seeing what Brian brings to the table, and I know he's excited to run it. So, but I think that's all the gaming, actual playing gaming news I have. So, let's get on to something different. I want to plug a couple things, if I can. First off, I want to say that GrogCon in Orlando is still on as of right now. The hurricane's down there, and they're dealing with that, but apparently they still have service, and people are still going there. A lot of people aren't going to make it because of the weather and flights canceled and things like that. But if you are planning on going to GrogCon, if you're in Florida, if you and your family are safe and you're you know, free and, and still interested in that, 
then GrogCon is happening this weekend. So I do want to put that out there. So be aware, it is still uh, avail it is still happening this weekend. So if not, if you can't make GrogCon this weekend, think about coming to DaveCon in April of 2023 in sunny Minneapolis. I also want to remind you of the Red Caps podcast has a charity event going on right now. It's a great cause. It's a children's hospital up in Canada. And you, there's a link in the show notes. You can go read all about it. But up to a certain point, he's doing matching donations. And he's also doing a calling contest that has prizes like drive through RPG gift certificates, things like that. And that goes until the 21st of October. So go check that link out and go get involved there. It's a pretty great contest. Okay, I think that is all I'm going to plug today because I have a pretty long interview with Daniel Bandit's Keep where we talk about the module Never Sleep Again. So I, I kind of want to get to that, and I've got some calls I need to answer prior to that. I guess the other thing I'll mention is, you know, Coolio has passed away, which is a shame. Um, you know, thoughts to his family and loved ones. The I, I don't know. It's... One of those things, you're, you're either into Coolio or you're not, which is fine. But, you, you know, another another person gone. That's never good. You know, even if Coolio's music wasn't your thing, he's did a fair amount in his life. I mean, he had his tussles with the law, been convicted of robbery and causing bodily injury and ended up with a firearm at the airport and denied entry to Singapore at one point. But, you know, he also was the running mate of... Cherie DeVille's Democratic presidential run in 2020. So, you know, I I don't know with his legal history, I don't know if he could have been actually elected or not. Um, but he's done philanthropy, philanthropy, give him, helped out causes. Yeah. And he had an acting career. You know, he was in a number of different movies, but the things I remember the most are things like Dracula 3000 and, of course, Paradactyl. So... But he was in a number of movies as well. So, um, you know, not everybody's cup of tea, but, you know, I hate it when anybody goes. Okay. Oh, he's also in Leprechaun in the Hood. How could I forget that? Big fan of Leprechaun movies. Okay, dope. It's enough on Coolio. Um, rest in peace. Okay, let's get on to those phone calls. Hi, Jason. Just wanted to say that I really enjoyed your overview of Pirate Borg. Um, I did back the PDF, and yeah, it looks like it's full of loads of great content, lots of cool random tables for generating all kinds of maritime shenanigans. Um, but there was there was something else. Um, I thought I heard you say that perhaps going back in time and investing in stocks and shares might not be such a good idea because it would lead to other people ending up poor um now that's not the kind of ringing endorsement of capitalism i've come to expect from this show and i hope that going forward you will choose your words more carefully that is all bye bye now spencer thank you so much for your call folks go check out spencer's podcast keep off the borderlands great podcast um, Pirate Borg, yeah, I, I do think there's a lot to offer in that book, and it's not as offensive art-wise, say, as Morkborg is, right? But but I think it's an interesting system, and you could definitely take bits and pieces from it. You don't don't have to play in that setting if you don't want to, but you can definitely use the tables and the ideas in there for your own nautical settings. As far as the time travel bit, I know you're kind of tongue-in-cheek there with a the capitalism comment. Now, folks, if you do want to talk economics, go over to Joe Richter's podcast, Hindsightless. He highly encourages you to call in. You know, he loves to get calls about economic theory, communism versus capitalism, all those kind of things. So call out to Joe's podcast. Talk to him about that. He will happily engage with you. This podcast isn't so much an economics podcast, to be honest. Mine isn't. But to answer your concern there, the problem is not so much only that certain people will be poor, that wouldn't have otherwise been, you know, if you hadn't altered the timeline. But if you go back in time to 1980 and buy a bunch of stocks in one of these companies, so, you know, when you come back to the 
modern day, you've got all this money, not only are other people who would have bought the stocks, their financial situation has changed, but what are the other trickle-down effects, right? What are the other changes that have happened, that butterfly effect? You know what I mean? That little change is going to affect what happens because those other people in the original timeline, you know, what do they do as far as philanthropy? I knew I couldn't talk about I couldn't say that word during when I was talking about Coolio. Why am I trying to say it again now? But what other money did they put into research? What money did they put into other things? So what corporations aren't going to exist? What you know technologies aren't going to exist because those people never invested in 1980 because you went back and invested. So we we don't know, and that's something fun that game master can play with in time travel games. That you know those kind of changes that would happen. So. Anyhow, thank you for the call, Spencer. Really appreciate it. Let's go on to our next caller. Yar, Jason, just a message for you to say that I did think that I tried to send you a message about the pirate competition. And first of all, I can't keep this voice up for too much longer either, so I'm going to stop, matey. <laughs> yeah, but basically, although I did try to send a message for the competition, it doesn't matter that I didn't get one in in time. I think it was either me, possibly sent it to the wrong person, who knows a speak pipe might be Che got a pirate competition entry that he was expecting. <laughs> who knows? Uh, but the one thing I wanted to mention, since it didn't get mentioned, was that my pirate media that I particularly enjoyed when I was growing up was a series my mum actually watched called Return to Treasure Island. It was a mini-series. It wasn't very many episodes, so it felt like quite a lot more because mum used to watch them on repeat almost regularly. She recorded them on VHS, I think I kept watching them. Um, but it, it kind of really set my my vision of what Long John Silver was like as a character, so not the Treasure Island films that I'd seen or books and stuff that I'd seen since. It was more Brian Blessed, Long John Silver from that series. So yeah, check it out if you haven't seen it before. It was made by Disney, I think, and one of the UK channels, I want to say ITV. So have a look out, see if it's out there. Um, I particularly enjoyed it. You got to see a character called Keel Hall, who had been Keel Hall, so that was an interesting experience, finding out what Keel Halling actually was. So yeah, cool. Anyway, I shall leave it at that and say, yeah, I just wanted to pass one out there because I don't think anyone else mentioned it. In fact, no one else mentioned it in the competition, yeah. So, but there seems to be a lot of love out there for a certain series and games and stuff, which is quite cool. Anyway, take care and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Hey, Barry, thank you for the call. Better late than never, folks. Go check out Barry's podcast, Shadow the GM. Great podcast. He's recently done a battle using melees talking about using wizard to do another one those are of course old pre-gurps rules that steve jackson had come up with and there's a youtube video i'll put a link to it where barry gets with kevin from the redcast podcast and they do a battle using melee and wizard it's about 55 minutes and they each make a team up and their banner back and forth during the battle is pretty fun so it's, it's pretty cool to watch and like I said, better late than never as far as the contest entry. Nobody did mention Return Treasure Island. And it seems to be a property where there must be rights issues because it's not – I can't find it in the U.S. or even look on Amazon UK. I don't see where it's available for sale. So I think there may be some some issues somewhere. I don't know where it is or if the mouse has decided that they don't want to let anybody else see it. But – yeah, I don't see any good way to buy it. Here in the U.S., there's a um, way you can buy it for like 256 bucks a used copy, but that's kind of crazy, right? Um, now, if you go to YouTube, there are some episodes on YouTube, so you can you can find that. But it's not – I don't think the whole series is up there, unfortunately. I'm not sure. It doesn't look like it. So, but you can find clips of that and you can find some episodes on YouTube if you search. So folks go check that out. That is not one that I've seen, so I can't comment on it, but it does sound interesting. Okay. Let's go on to our next call. Hi, Jason. This is Joe from the Decahedron podcast. I just listened to your episode about the honor and intrigue overview and i just wanted to th say thanks it was a great episode in eight minutes you told me everything i needed to know about that system and i know now know that it's not for me uh, and that's not a knock on the game just some games aren't meant for some people and some people aren't meant for some games sounds like it has a little too much crunch for my tastes but that's good to know so thanks again for the episode i look forward to hearing more bye Hey, Joe, thank you so much for that call. So Joe and his buddy do the Decahedron podcast. There's links in the show notes. Go check that out.
it's a pretty interesting contest or contest pretty interesting podcast it's listen to their banner back and forth and, and they do not necessarily agree on everything you, that especially comes at well in both episodes um joe and james have point counterpoint that, that so far there's two episodes out one on weapon damage and one on character backgrounds and they each take different sides on those topics not so much sides but they di- present different viewpoints so it's kind of an interesting podcast. Go check it out, definitely. As far as honor plus entry goes, it is a little bit crunchier than the base Barbarians of Lemuria, definitely. Um, if that sounds a little bit too crunchy for you, check out the base Barbarians of Lemuria. As I talked about earlier in this show, you know, the rules really get out of the way. You can run games quickly. Like I said, we did that. I the, Out of those players, by the way, that um, were in that Temple Salt and Barry's game, that I ran Barbarians of Mori for where we did it all under two hours. A couple of those were brand new to the system. They had never played the game before. They didn't have the rules. I taught the rules as we went. So Barbarians of Mori may be much more your style. Check that out. But thank you so much for the call. Really appreciate it. By the way, that is kind of what I want to do with the system Sunday, the idea that, you know, not every game is for everybody. There's no question about that. But I just want to introduce games people may not have heard heard of to them. And if it sounds cool, great. They can check them out. If it doesn't, then, you know, I've saved them the time of checking it out. So I'm glad that I'm providing a service. Let's go to the next call. Hey, Jason. Daniel from Manus Keep calling in. Still using the Anchor app. I guess I will have to update eventually. But uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, sorry, I've been uh, listening, although I'm behind, uh, but I haven't called in a <laughs> To follow up on Joe's message, yeah, Crimson, Crimson Cutlass, it sounds really bonkers. That's a perfect word for it. That sounds awesome. I, you know, I, I almost, uh, just out of curiosity, want to download it. Look, but 1,500 pages, I don't care if it's all tables. That just, ooh, that just feels painful to me. You know, same thing with this other one, this this uh, Mork Pirate thing. 168 pages for a light game. It, and I get that there's tables and stuff. It just feels really heavy to me, and, and maybe I'm wrong. I just I think I've reached this stage where I just don't want if a, if a game is more than like fifty or sixty pages, I just don't even want to look at it. Uh, <laughs> I just don't have time to read these like massive tomes, and they just sit on my table. And I'm quite sure because of that, I'm missing out on a ton of stuff. So maybe I need to start <laughs> opening my mind to these systems again because uh, they all sound super cool, especially the ship uh, stuff with the with the Mork Pirate thing. I'm not a huge fan of the grim dark uh, play bad guys thing but if it's got cool but simple ship rules that i could see a campaign where like the uh, one of my first hateful place uh, hateful places that i ran they were on a ship and i had them basically the darkness was the fog and then they would encounter various things so i think that could be a kind of interesting right you could be like lost in the bermuda triangle as let's say you know, soldiers or whatever, and you don't have to be bad on a ship, and then you're encountering these other ships that are trying to raid you, and you have to go to islands to find supplies and stuff. I think that could be a really interesting way to do a campaign in a world like that, where you don't have to be the bad guys, per se. I mean, I'm not a a goody-two-shoes by any means, I guess, but I just, I never saw the the joy in long-term play as a bad character, as the evil character, whatever you want to call it. I think part of the fun of RPGs, for me anyways, is the fact that you get to do things that you wouldn't be able to do in life, right? Bad guys that are clearly evil, you get to stick them with your sword or trident or scimitar. Well, you should slash them with a scimitar. But anyways, and that's like cool, right? But I don't want to be a murderer, right? I don't want to to see people who are, you know, presumably innocent and uh, just go raid their village and cut them down, you know, something like, you know, Vikings or pirates or whatever. That just doesn't appeal to me. Um, so, but I think uh, properly framed, or properly is probably not the right word, but a campaign framed in a way where maybe you are, let's say, uh, not actually evil, but you have to do what you have to do because it's a corrupt government, that kind of stuff. I think those kind of things work better for, for me and my group anyways. Also, I uh, just want to send my well wishes for your procedure and all that. So hopefully we will hear your voice again and it will not be from the other side. Um, yeah, I really appreciate the system Sundays. They've been super fun. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Lots of stuff there from Daniel. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm glad the system Sundays are providing of interest to people as far as light rules with big rule books. Tune in on Sunday when we do a system Sunday on Cthulhu dark, 
Daniel will be joining me for that because he has run Cthulhu Dark. Cthulhu Dark is maybe a two-page RPG where if you buy the, the full book that they had kickstarted, it's 200 pages. So we're going to discuss that on Sunday. As far as playing bad people, yeah, actually, I'm going to, again, I'm going to defer this because on Monday, on the show that I have coming out on Monday, there's a three-way discussion. I've got a couple guests, and we're going to discuss that. So come back on Monday. But I, but I don't disagree with you. I, and I think there's definitely something there and something interesting there. And you don't have to get into the bad parts, right? You don't have to. Just because you're playing pirates doesn't mean you have to lean into the bad parts of it. So, but thank you for all that feedback, Daniel. I really, really do appreciate it. Thank you, by the way, for the well wishes. Um, yeah, the procedure went well. I am recovering, so thank you. I really appreciate that. Okay, that said, I think that's enough calls for today. And remember, folks, if you sent a call in to Jason and you haven't heard it on this episode, have no fear. It will appear. Today we're going to talk about a module from... J.D. Sterling from Joe, and this is called Never Sleep Again. It's system agnostic, and I've got Daniel from Bandits Keep on with me because he's run this module, so I thought he could give us some insight on it. Daniel, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I uh, will give you all the insight I have. That, that, is, that, that is all we can ask for. So J.D. Sterling, I've talked about him before. I've talked about some of his ICRPG adventures. He was on an episode of Cerebrivore. We talked time travel, and recently... He has started up a ICRPG-related YouTube show, and there's links to all this stuff in the show notes. You guys can check that out. He, the YouTube show was shared with Alex, who did Altered State, the cyberpunk ICRPG um, system. So check that out. All good stuff. Um, Joe's a really cool guy. I hope to get him on the show to talk about some of his other stuff in the future. But for Never Sleep Again, like I say, since Daniel's run it, I, I thought we would get Daniel in here to talk about it. So Never Sleep Again is a it's a 30-page, like I say, system agnostic adventure. It's based around 80s um, horror movies. Specifically, it's kind of Nightmare on Elm Street-esque. It, okay, not esque. It's it's very Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, and, and so I guess really quickly before we get into spoilers, because I think we do want to talk about spoilers on this, but I want to do a spoiler-free initial thing. And my initial thing is, this is very interesting. He, I say system agnostic, but he does talk about how to do the different creatures. He gives he gives generic stats in here, which is really interesting. The way for the creatures now. Do you? I know Daniel. When you ran it, you ran a pretest version of this, a beta version that didn't have stats. Do you have the full version now that has the stats? I don't have the PDF of the full version. I have a print version, but I couldn't find it because I actually this came in a um, a coffee box. Uh, from Big Nerd Coffee, they do like a box. It's not like every month, but a few times a year they do a box. And uh, I so it came printed in the box, but I don't think I got the, or you know, the PDF. I couldn't find one anyway. So, so I don't have the monster stats. Okay, but uh, I suppose so, I could have asked them. But <laughs> no, that's fine. So, so I, I just want to mention on them because I think it's interesting what they do with that. They have both monster stats and they have stats for they have some pre-gen characters in here, which oh. is nice. But they're they're generic enough stats that you could use them with you know any game, and he talks about how to use the stats with different games, which is kind of cool the way they did it. And basically, like for for armor, either have easy, medium, or hard armor. The idea of how hard they are to hit, and and then you have things like you know, and, but they're all just kind of like generic terms. Then you would adjust them to your system, which I think works pretty well with most systems. As we'll talk about in spoilers, maybe not every system, right? But um, it, basically, I, I I think this is is worth picking up. It's it's a one shot. You could drag this over two sessions if you wanted to. It's really meant to be run in one session, and to get and it takes a little bit of player buy in that they want to You know, they want to play in a a Nightmare on Elm Street type adventure. That's mm-hmm. kind of what we have here, and I and I don't think that's. Your players may or may not know that going into it, but it's pretty obvious pretty quickly that's what this is. And I think it does a good job of giving you that feeling during a role-playing game. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think that that's kind of an interesting point you make. Like I, I personally, because this, this is me, obviously everybody has different ways of playing, I like to have the players know kind of what they're getting into before we play. Like uh-huh. I wouldn't say, 
oh, we're going to play a, a teenage uh, game, you know, adventure game, and then make it Nightmare on Elm Street. Like I would, I, at the very least, I'd let them know it was 80 horror, 80s horror. That helps you also pick your character, like to think about your character and stuff. So yeah, I, I, I've been in a few games where it was supposed to be one thing, and then it was like, aha, it's not that. And here we, and I personally don't like that as a player. So I almost never do as a GM. I like to just give my players the info. You know, this is going to be like this. So if you want to play that kind of game, then join it. I think that helps uh, set player expectation and also gets them in the right mood. Right. I, I agree with that. So w- without going to spoilers, because we'll get to there first, I, I do give this two thumbs up. I think mm-hmm. it, it's it's worth checking out. If you're a player, tell your GM, you, and that sounds interesting to you, but you don't want to run it. You're, you know, you want to just play in that kind of thing. Tell your GM to buy this, buy it for your GM. You can gift it to them on Drive Through RPG. Um, Jason says two thumbs up. You, you should buy this. Never sleep again. We'll get. So, we'll, go ahead, Daniel. Your, your I don't know if you know this. Hopefully, it's, oh, okay. I'm gonna give the recommendation. Yeah, I don't know if it's a spoiler we'll or not. If it that. is, you can like bleep it out. Um, so uh, yes, I recommend it highly. I think it's really well written. It's 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 at the very least, it gets your mind going. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at the version I have that doesn't have any stats in it, and I'm thinking now, I actually think he may have sent me stats, but they're in a different PDF that I don't have in this computer. So because I was just as you mentioned those NP uh, pre-gen characters, I was like, hold on, I think I do have that. <laughs> but anyways, I, I didn't use it. So um, just reading this, like each of these, uh, and again, I don't think this is a spoiler. There's a bunch of scenes effectively, and each of these scenes is just really cool. Like it's just something you can just grab and pull and drop into to a lot of different types of setups, whether they be horror or even adventure, depending on how you kind of frame it. Just the concepts of it, I think, are really, really neat. So, yes, I definitely uh, give it two thumbs up. I, I really uh, enjoyed it. Great. So, folks, oh, if that, you're but looking... that wasn't what I guess. Sorry. Oh, I okay. Go ahead. <laughs> I didn't say the thing I was going to say, which is because I got the coffee box, which you mm-hmm. know, now people are going to be jealous. They, they there's I don't think this is a spoiler. That's what I was going to say. There's a, a, a skating rink. I think it is. A, the, yeah, the skating rink in the module. Right. So and it, it, it was actually based on a real place. So when you got the coffee box, he actually had got these like notebooks and like uh like just like ex- things that they used to give out or sell at the skating rink like somewhere in a box and uh actually it gave it to us so like i have like an old like uh a log book it's like a not a log book it's like a uh i guess you call it a zine these days but like a little pamphlet that was it out and it's like katie joe wore the cutest dress last week it's super cool that's i was like this is like an amazing artifact of the time it's a very very cool so yeah so get the coffee box. Yeah, which is a, a plug for the coffee. So Daniel's going to give me the link. We're going to put the link in the show notes for the coffee box. So check that out. If you're looking for a, a one shot to run for Halloween, folks, then I think this is a strong, strong contender. If you're interested in, like say, if you're just interested in playing in these kind of things, you're not really a big GM, then stop listening now. Gift it to your, gift it to your GM. You, you know, they'll appreciate that. If you're a GM and you want to hear details of this adventure, then listen on. There won't be anything after this. All we're going to do is spoilers and end the episode. So you, you can safely end the episode now and you won't miss anything if you don't want spoilers. By the way, folks, throughout this whole thing, both I and Daniel say Freddy C as the antagonist. It's really Frankie C, so apologies to Joe for us slipping there. I, I think it's just a, you know, one of those things. Okay, spoilers. All right, let's do it. So, Daniel, you, you ran this. I don't know that, I, don't, I, I haven't seen the versions you have, so I don't know how much the adventures changed from what you ran it, aside from adding in the stats. I. I don't think it changed that much. So I'll give like an overview of how the adventure mm-hmm. is, I guess. We could start there and then That's you fine. can tell me if yep. there's anything different. So the idea of this adventure is that it's taking place – well, the, the, the kids have – there's this murder, the Freddy Krueger part of it, right? You could talk about that maybe if you want. But mm-hmm. uh, basically this guy's come back inside a video game. 
And all of these kids have played the game. And because of that, they haven't slept in six days or something like that. It starts uh-huh. on day six. And in day six, there's – so there's basically six locations. Right. And each of them have a day six event and a day seven event. And the way it's designed is you're supposed to uh, play out a few of these on day six. And then the kids don't sleep. And then it, it jumps into day seven. And then you play out the finale, basically. Um, I didn't really use it like that. And I and I told them this, so I don't know if they changed it. Probably not because it was like super close to the publication, and it's not really a problem. But what I thought was, if you and you could tell me because this is how it's written. I'm going to actually read from the module. All right, it says the PCs haven't slept for six days. The first four scenes are on day six, starting in the arcade. Day six should go quick, about a quarter of your playtime. At the end of the day, they go home and sit awake all night. Then the last four scenes are on day seven and end in the arcade. And it says C pages three through four. So there's only six locations plus the arcade. So you do the arcade twice, right? It opens and it closes. Right. So cool. in the, yeah. Yeah. And that's what we do here. You do day six is the arcade. So the players pick three locations. That's right. In the version I have. And those, and so day six is the arcade plus the locations they did not pick. Day seven are the, is the arcade and the locations they do pick, or it's a the location they do pick plus the arcade. Which I mean, isn't that big? Right. Which is right. They they just yeah, exactly. So that it says that here too. It's just written in kind of a way that's a little bit. uh, I I thought was hard to understand, so maybe they rephrased it. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not do this, (laughs) and the reason why I didn't do it was because I felt like if you are going to do this, then you you don't get to have this flashback feeling, right? Because the idea is that they've had these dreams, right? And I get the idea the dreams of this guy, but without too much like background on the guy and knowing too much about him which you do learn in some of the scenes mm-hmm. you don't really know what's going on unless you do those scenes so for instance if, if they pick the movie theater which is where they get the the background of the guy they won't know anything about him until day seven which to me doesn't give this the right feel so what i did was i went in and i gave each of the characters a day six scene but i gave it to them as a dream and i uh-huh. gave it to them before we played so I, I rewrote it a little bit so uh-huh. that, you know, I took out the part where it says the GM show, whatever, and I wrote it from their point of view. You're in this arcade. This is happening, blah, 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 blah. And then you wake up, right? So I did all that. So everybody had a dream. So when I started the adventure, nobody knew what happened to the other people. And then what happened is I ran them through the different locations. And when they were in a location, like, let's say, grabbing a few slices of pizza, the person who had that dream, the, the player was like, Oh no, we're in the pizza place. I had this terrible dream and they got to play it out because I think this is really cool and interesting, but I think it's a lot of GM talking to people and players making dice rolls, which isn't really what I personally like, which this is why I think this is one of the strengths of this module is that I was able to shift it from the way it's written to really play a game that I want to play, which is the players get to talk. Like I want a player to say, Oh my God, I was in this pizza place in my dream. And, uh, you know, uh, the claw machine came to life and, and scooped kids up and started. So then everybody was like, oh, the claw machine might whatever. And then all of a sudden, when the teddy bears start coming up on day seven, which is when we're playing, everybody's like the teddy bears, you know, and that's basically uh, the players got to lead the the the, the adventure, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. So that's why I changed that. I could see it working the way they did it. But I feel like if everybody had the experiences, like let's say that you had the the, the pizza experience all together on day six, you would not go back to the pizza place. On day seven. Sorry, it's loud. Uh, so you don't get to relive that, right? You have like a scene and then you have a completely different scene in a different location. So for me, I didn't particularly want to do that. So and I needed to do it in a one shot. So that's how I handled it. And I thought it worked really well that way. I did tell them that. But again, I don't. Well, first of all, they had their idea. They weren't going to change it just based on what I said. But also it was they didn't have enough time, even if they wanted to. Um, but I thought it worked out really well for that reason, because, again, I let the players drive the story. Uh, otherwise, I guess maybe I'm not explaining it well, so maybe I should roll back. I'm assuming people know what's going on here. So the way it's set up is I'm just going to do day six, the uh, pizza place, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. it says, that, oh, by the way, there's also a cool tie-in with music, which we'll talk about too. So you've got the, the PCs waiting for their pizza. There's all kinds of fun stuff going on. There's music playing. Then the, the music changes to uh, the song Shaboom. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the the the, the callback that keeps happening? Which, by the way, when I ran it because I was I was recording it to stream, which I think this actually is a stream, so you can probably watch it. Um, I didn't want to use music because I didn't want to get pulled down, so I just sang like I was like, "Oh, you hear shaboom, shaboom," you know. I did, so it was, that was kind of fun. 
Um, and then the claw machine comes to life, grabs young kids, pulls them inside. The pizza on the table, the pepperoni turns into this guy's face, Frankie C, mm-hmm. who is your, your Freddy Krueger character. He has some cool stuff that he says, you know, do you smell something burning or is it me? Um, and then the stuffed teddy bears and the claw machines come to life and start cutting up the kids to get pulled inside, right? Then they wake up, right? That's supposed to be what happens. So, but if they play through that scene together, right? Because again, there's nothing really for the kids to do in this scene. This is on day six. So there's no... Now, this same scene on day seven is different, right? And on day seven, they find themselves in the pizza place. The teddy bear climbs onto the counter, followed by another and another. The music changes. The teddy bears come in. They start fighting the characters, throwing pizza dough at them, all this other stuff. And when the when one of the kids dies, I'm doing air quotes, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, then the scene ends, right? And it jumps to the next scene. And, of course, they come back to life. They don't actually die in the, in the thing, not well, until the end. Yeah, and that's interesting. The, the So the way this is set up yeah. – in yeah, and they have not incorporated your recommendation here. They they have everybody experienced the scenes together, but the the way it works is, folks, because obviously I haven't read this, and, and we're kind of hopping around. But you, you go to these different scenes, and the idea is you you flat once a scene is done, either by defeating some of the monsters or by a character dying, then automatically there's a shift, and it's you know done with this musical cue that he talks about in here, where you're playing shaboom, and he talks about using music in the game. But you have a shift and all of a sudden they're in a different scene. It's kind of like dream, like, oh, now all of a sudden you're in, in the next place. Like you don't role play walking through the mall from site to site. You, you, you just jump. Now in here, I, and I don't know if this is in your version, but in, in the version that's published, you can like fight the teddy bears that are cutting up the kids. And, and that's a way if you defeat. So a scene ends if the PC dies or teddy bears are defeated. Kind of thing. You could do that on day two. Th- on day seven, yeah, on the second day. On day, day. seven, yeah. yeah Not yeah, on the first day. day. Right, so on day right. six in the pizza mm-hmm. place, you cannot. In day right. uh, in the arcade on day six, there is a thing where you take damage because you do skill checks. Mm-hmm. But in the pizza place, there's not. It literally is just something you read to the PCs. Like, right. obviously, you can have them do stuff. But mm-hmm. I was like, well, now i got to make a bunch of stuff for them to do. There's no real resolution. So what, that's why I made it a dream, if that makes sense. So I don't know if they changed that. Like, there's no... Uh, it just says they come to life and start attacking children that have been sucked inside. None of it attacks them. They just yell at the right. kids. So it's literally just a DM describing a scene. And for me to do four of those in a row, <laughs> like to open the, the adventure, just seemed like it was a lot. Now, for some people, that might not be a problem, but I don't think my players would want to hear me talk for, you know, uh, a quarter of the adventure, which is an hour, you know, going, oh, you're in this scene. Ah, now this. And I, I know it's not exactly what it says here, but you could potentially get that because if the kids are role playing in the, the pizza place, you know, what are they going to say to each other? They're brand new characters. This is a one shot. They, You know, you'll get a little bit, but you, there's only so much you can do there. That's why I made that change. So I actually recommend that if you're going to run it as a one shot as part of a campaign, maybe it's different. But like, right, what are they going to say the second time they appear in a place? Because they're not supposed to uh, remember. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. They just appear like it's like they're dreaming. Right. They wake up and they're just like, oh, you know, uh, oh, no, no, no. You're not at the a pizza place. You're at the skating rink and you everybody's skating and they're oh, it's electric skate time. And and then this goes on. Right. And then basically they. Uh, actually, I guess here you have a skill check. So some of them have skill checks and some. Yeah. Don't. So and again, you could add skill checks if you want. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, the one of the reasons why I changed how it ran was and now we'll get into that part is because of the system I chose to use. I chose to use Cthulhu Dark, which we talk about in a different podcast. And there's no hit points in Cthulhu Dark. You can't fight monsters in Cthulhu Dark. There are skill checks. But I found that they were kids, right? And you're supposed to pick a career in Cthulhu Dark. So what's a kid, right? Like if somebody's like, I'm the nerd. Well, what does that mean? Do you get to die when you're the nerd? Do you get to die if you're a jock? So it just, it wasn't a good system for me. Um, I, I after because we talked about it a bunch, I would have totally run on the hateful place. It would have made way more sense mm-hmm. because everything's just straight. There's no skills and none of that. So I think that was part of the reason why I changed it because I didn't think that in the Cthulhu Dark system, I didn't think that basic uh, system of uh, task resolution would hold up for so many scenes. You know, at least for me. Right. I no, I get that. So with the pregens that they they have created, they do have so like they have special things for each of them so the bad boy you know has a his special is once per encounter as a reaction to taking damage you may immediately make an attack against the target to hit you Mm -hmm. the loner once per encounter at the start of your turn you can make a fast roll 
On success, you gain plus one on your next attack and deal an additional one heart of damage. The nerd, twice per day, you can use logic to convince your allies that it's just a dream and give them a bonus D6 to use on any roll. The cheerleader, center of attention, once per encounter, you can pull everybody's attention to you. Targets must make a hard, wise roll to ignore you. Um, the jock, once per day, you can swing with everything you've got to deal additional two hit points of damage. So they do they do kind of have some some differential in here with the pregens um but yeah you know, I, I think what you're saying is is definitely valid yeah this is a a system or not a system it's an adventure that you probably do want something a little more substantial to, to run it and yeah. i think that you're mod to it the idea so as i read it and we probably should have got joe on here actually but right but as i as i read it that that first day should like you mentioned should go pretty quick so you you know you're, you're in the pizza gallery you know this may be a a five minute scene and zip you jump to the next one and you know you know what i mean they're they're pretty quick and then day seven's the second day is when you're really playing the stuff out but i really like the idea of that mod of doing them as dreams giving one dream to each character you know one location right. each character is the dream and then coming back so really you're only role playing that that last day in the that's right in the game and what effectively happens is so let's again go back to the pizza place when mm -hmm. They showed up in the pizza place. The I started describing day sevens. You're sitting at your regular table. Uh, you know the pizza oven is is going. Everything's here. A player who had that dream then says, "Oh no, we're in pizzas. I had this terrible dream." And then they explain it. So instead of me taking, let's say, I don't care, twenty minutes, thirty minutes, whatever it is, the beginning of the adventure to effectively storytell the first part of it the players got to do it and that's why i did it that way i felt like that was a little bit more um effective for my group i mean different groups mm -hmm. would like different things i guess if you wanted to add a lot of skill challenges or do that kind of stuff then maybe you'd want to play through all the stuff also i feel like eight scenes is a lot of scenes for a one shot but personally like i just feel like it's a lot to, to jump people around eight times so i didn't do that and i didn't do all of them what i did was i rolled I think I rolled a D6 because it's six places with the arcade being mm -hmm. the last one. So I did, I think, four or three or four. I can't remember how many I did. And then each, so not everybody's dream came to fruition. And in fact, sometimes they mentioned it. They'd be like, oh, I had a dream. Because once the first person mentioned their dream, then other people started talking about them. And that created a, again, a role play opportunity, which I think is very cool. If they had already been through those scenes together, it doesn't create that role play opportunity. So it, it's a mod that I did that I, I think is is worth trying if you have that kind of group that likes to role play and stuff. That If you have a group that's more hands-on, like, then we want to go through the scene, and then I think running it the way it is is probably best. Kind of depends on your group. Right. You know, and like, I think like, like, for instance, at a convention, I would do it that way, right? At a convention, I would do it as written mm -hmm. because I don't know the people at the table. They don't, I don't want the first 15 minutes to go to everybody reading their sheet to, to read their dream, right? So I don't want that. I sent the dreams out, like, two days before. So people already had that in their mind is what they had. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, that's what I was exactly going to say that, yeah, if you have an existing group or you're setting this up with a, you know, that works. But at a convention where you don't know, see your players until they sit down at the table, obviously, you know, it's harder to, yeah. But, yeah. but no, I, I think over, no, go ahead. I love the music tie-in. I mean, again, mm -hmm. I was streaming it, so I didn't want to use, but he talks about using, making like 80 mixed, 80s mixtapes and having it playing and then have it shift out. Because again, like in horror movies, you get that, right? You have mm -hmm. like those changes, a tone change. And it's one of those ways that as a GM, we can, uh, it's just generally good DM advice anyways. Like you had this thing where it's a signal to the players, not to the characters per se, but to the players that something has changed. And I think it's a really good signal and really effective way to use it. And it was really fun to do, you know, because they totally picked up on it immediately, you know, that what was going on after the, the you know, the second time it happened. Right. Um, so I thought that was really cool. Yeah. The, so this is a, a this is a scenario the characters can lose and they can yeah. kind of win. I mean, at the end, even if they win, they're, you know, they're you, you get this little stinger at the end that, you know, Freddie C is going to come back, which is fine because it meets the genre conventions right. here. You know, I don't think it's too difficult, at least using what stats they have in here now with the, what they recommend you do. I don't think it's too tough. It is, I mean, the, it's not a gimme though. I mean, the players are going to have to, to work to win, but it's, but I think it's, it's definitely winnable if the players work together. Um, and then there's a, there's also a page in here on, on notes, GM notes on adapting it and do, doing different things with it. So overall, I think oh. this is a pretty good product, although definitely a hundred percent, I think if you're playing with your group, 
And, you know, I think Daniel's mod is probably a better way to go because it, it if only because it's going to encourage that interaction between the players and that role play between the players and get them much more involved. But. Yeah, no, I think I think it worked out well. And again, not to say it's like you do a play test. I didn't follow the instructions, but I just I just knew I was like, you know, what, my group and also with Cthulhu Dark, I'm like all these different scenes. It's just going to they're just going to feel like, OK, we have to go scene to scene. Because again, it comes down to your group. But I think there's a lot of good stuff in here. Like I said at the beginning. Car going by uh, the any one of these scenes could be fun just to pull into. Uh, a game where you want like a horror element, you know, and you can shift things, obviously, if it's not 80s and it's not kids, but even taking like the day six and day seven and smushing them together into a larger scene mm -hmm. could be really fun, um, which in some cases I did. Like I had some elements come back, you know, because of course people said it, they were like, oh no, the the the, the pizza is going to come to life. So I was like, all right, I'll do that again because they know that's going to happen. So it lets them know that like this, their dream was connected, you know, mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, they, they, they have to, I guess we're doing spoilers, right? Yeah. So they have to unplug the the machines or destroy the game. Yeah, the arcade games. Yeah, they have to. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah, they have to. Yeah, disable. I think six. It's a certain amount. Yeah, a certain amount. And yeah, my characters had uh, they 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 did succeed, I believe. But you're right. Mm -hmm. Even because what I did with Cthulhu Dark was, uh, although in Cthulhu Dark you're supposed to instantly die if you fight a a, a creature, but I didn't do that. Obviously, mm -hmm. I did. Uh, I did it as a battle. And uh, they did actually do it, but it was not easy. They had to make like skill checks to do it. And like I said, everybody had a lot of fun. I think it's a really, really fun adventure. And uh, yeah, maybe using those characters that are the pre-gens might uh, help to make the overall arc of it uh, tie in better. But yeah, my group did a good job, I thought. And uh, it, it's a really, like I said, a really fun module. Right. The um, Yeah, it, it's $4.50 PDF. Like I said, it's well worth it. This is a... Yeah a really great way you know you watch movies especially horror movies you think how do i adapt this to a game and like nightmare on elm street and i think the way that joe has done it here is really good i, I think this is a a, a creative and a, and a good way with the way you're switching scenes and the dream logic and the you know all the different things the callbacks i, I think it works really well to give you that feeling and um yeah it and i definitely think it's worth picking up yeah, I agree with that. I think it's interesting, right? Because a lot of times we see a movie or a show, or whatever, and we're like, oh, we want to do something like that. And it, sometimes it's hard to figure out how you work it. But I think, like you said, Joe did a great job of making this feel like that. Like mm -hmm. it, it feels like one of those movies. It's got a lot of the the throwbacks. So if you know the movies, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's the thing, you know. Uh, so it's it's very cool there. Like it definitely has that. But even if you don't know those 80s movies, uh, it it has enough kind of the horror slasher vibe that you can pick it up, even if you didn't really know the, I mean, I don't know. Who hasn't seen Nightmare on Elm Street? But probably somebody. Your young right. viewers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very possibly. Um, yeah. and, and then Watch the it. Other... Only the first one, though. I didn't. Did you care for the rest of them? Oh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, it depends what you're looking for, right? So the rest okay, of the first one's more of a quote unquote serious horror movie, yeah. and then as the series goes on, Freddy becomes, you know, more of a maybe not a joke character, but he's your prime character, right? We, right. Actually, there's a another discussion. I don't know if it's it's come before this or after this that I have about this with some other guys. And, and, you know, the, the funny thing is, so throughout that series, especially later on in Nightmare on Elm Street, you're watching because you want to see the funny things Freddie says and, ha you know, what he does right. with the kids and all. And, and you know, we kind of get away from the idea that, the, you know, there's a child murder, you know, probably a pedophile, yada, yada, yada. Right. Right. Well, when they rebooted the movie, when they rebooted Nightmare on Elm Street and came out with the, with the remake, they leaned into the pedophile part. And it really turned fans off. I mean, because you had people that would go to theaters dressed up as Freddy, you know, right. especially later in the original series. And then when, you, you know, so these same fans go to see this new movie and they're like, Ugh, <laughs> you, you know, that's icky. I don't want to be in, I don't want to be associated with that. Yeah. And, well. and so, it, you know, it's interesting that um, the, the economy, but the I, I don't know. Freddy's one of those monsters. I mean, well, we see this with a lot of those movies, though, because he like later. uh Friday thirteenth and yeah, I was gonna say Jace is like that too, right? Right, yeah. Like, you're... I mean, obviously he wasn't a pedophile, or whatever, and he had like a whole right. background, but yeah, right, yeah, he's basically a murderer, killing people mm -hmm. that were you know seemingly innocent, um, you know. But <laughs> you wrote, you start uh, you know rooting for him. It's like, oh, how is he gonna smash them? You know, it's like yeah. Well, that's yeah. You're looking for those inventive kills, and you're looking yeah. for the you know with some of the monsters, or look at the Leprechaun films, right? The the whole Leprechaun series where he's going around doing stuff. I don't know if you've seen them. You, you know, uh, I saw the first one a long time ago. Yeah. So, so, and even that one, you know, which is kind of interesting because 
one thing I love in the Leprechaun film is they pull in the, especially the first one, they pull in the thing where you have to throw, you throw the shoes down, he has to stop and, you, you know, shine right. the shoes. And <laughs> But the, yeah. later on, they got pretty silly. You know, he went to the hood twice. He went out to space. He's Now, Leprechaun is one of the creatures that got to space. Oh, well, that's good. You, you, you know, your three that made it to, well, of your 80s monsters, okay. you know, Jason made it to space, Leprechaun made it to space, and Pinhead from Hellraiser yeah, right, made yeah. it to space. But but we're we're getting off topic here a little bit. Um, yeah. Overall, folks, this is a great game. You could easily run this with like Swords and Wizardry, Swords and Wizardry oh, yeah. Light. You could run it with BX. You could run it with ICRPG. Um, and and you you could buy you get the free version of any of these. You get the the quick start. You, you can run this. He's done a a really good job, and I know Daniel doesn't have him in front of him, but the the way he did the the stats for these pregens to make them generic and system agnostic is is excellent you could easily look at this and you know easily re, you know write it in whatever system you want to run it in you could easily adapt these without a problem very quickly so kudos to joe for that as well for because system agnostic you still want to have something like idea of the strengths and weaknesses of, of that character that creature and i think his pregens really get that across in a way that you can adapt easily to a, a variety of systems yeah, it sounds like it from what you like. I said, I didn't use them, and I think mm -hmm. they may they were there, but like I said, I I did use a completely different system, so uh, I was somewhat uh, obsessed with trying Cthulhu Dark, which I don't recommend using Cthulhu Dark for this, but for other things which we talk about, which is Cthulhu Dark's a good system, which is not. Uh, I think you want a little bit more of grittiness here, like we want hit points and stuff, because based on the way some of the scenes are written, like you want the fights to go on, you know. Right. Uh, but yeah, overall, like a really really fun adventure, and like I say, uh, great for Halloween. You know, I could totally. Mm -hmm. Yep. So there you go, folks. Never sleep again. I, I think we both give it a thumbs up. Go buy it. Mm -hmm. Run it for your group. If you if you're running for your group, then try the way D Daniel's mod there, or giving them their dreams ahead of time, their nightmares ahead of time. And, and I, I especially if you give them the nightmares ahead of time, you would have no problem fitting this into one session. Oh yeah. You know, a three hour session or two hour, two three hour session. You had no problem doing that if if they have the nightmares up front. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why I did it too. Again, I thought part. Partially for me, I always feel like when I'm GMing that I talk too much, <laughs> you know, because you well, you do talk more than everybody else. So I like it when the players have info. There was this other – we're going to totally uh, – I'll talk about this after because okay. you probably want to leave it on here, but well, I'll say it anyways. So there was this Hateful Place module that I ran, and there was all this background stuff. So what I did was I made one of the players a local, and mm -hmm. I gave them the module. I just blacked out things they should have known. But that way, when people are like, do we know whatever, then one of the players had a reference, and they could be like – Oh, yes. Well, John is the blacksmith. And it really made the game uh, feel more like it was their game instead mm -hmm. of constantly asking me if they know something. So that's kind of why I did it here. Partially, too, I know my group really well. And like they would sit in that first scene and it would be it wouldn't be five minutes. It would be half an hour, you know, of the because unless you're just going to read it to them, which I wouldn't want to do, then you want to let them role play and interact or so they feel like they're settling in. So I think, again, if, if you're going to have a bit of a longer session or if it's a convention game, then I would just run through the scenes. If you're going to do it with a group you know and you can give them the dreams ahead of time, I really like it. Obviously, you have to rewrite them because uh -huh. they're written right. for the game master, you know, with hit points and stuff. But you could easily do that, you know. Yeah, it, it would be easy enough to do. So, yeah. But, yep, two thumbs up from both of us. Go. For sure. Go pick it up, folks. Daniel, thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate Anytime. it. Anytime. Joke about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I could see him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. There is a dustbin in your moil's body tipper And I'm assuming that your partner back there in the wood chipper Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Well the zombies are rising and the world's gone to hell We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train wreck